Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Revelation 8. Isn't answered prayer a sweet thing? Take a moment to reflect. What are some times where you have seen God answer prayer? Maybe you were praying for someone to get saved and it happened. Uh, Maybe you were praying for direction in a situation and now you can look back and see how God answered that prayer and, and directed you. Maybe there was a time where you needed God to provide for you and he provided. Aren't those sweet things when God answers prayer? Well, let's consider a prayer we've read recently in Revelation. We'll find it back in Revelation chapter 6. And you see the souls of those who have been slain for the word and for the witness they had borne, they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Let's think about when that prayer it's answered because it will get answered someday where God, as they pray, will judge and avenge their blood. Well, answered prayer is sweet. And someday God is going to answer that prayer. And there's actually going to be rejoicing when he does. And we'll see more of that later in Revelation. But we need to think maybe more soberly about answered prayer and and even what the answers to some of our prayers will mean. And and Revelation 8 is going to help us do that. In Revelation 8, we transition from the seal judgments to the trumpet judgments. And and I take the view that uh, these judgments are somewhat telescopic in nature, that the seventh seal contains the seven trumpets. And it says in verse one, when the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Now, what does that mean? And I think the the best interpretation that I've read of that is an idea that it's, that there is such a sense of awe at what is about to happen that there is silence in heaven. And as we see, we've already seen intense judgment from God, and now it's only going to get more intense, so much so that there is this odd silence in heaven for a half an hour. And then we see in verse five, we're going to come back to some of these things in a moment. We see the angel takes a censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. And then it talks about these seven trumpets. And the first trumpet, we see hail and fire mixed with blood, and they're thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth is burned up, and a third of the trees are burned up, and all green grass is burned up. And then the next one blows its trumpet, and there's something like a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea, and the third of the sea becomes blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea die, and a third of the ships are destroyed. Then there's a star falling from heaven, and it falls upon a third of the rivers and the springs of 
water. And the fourth angel blows his trumpet, and a third of the sun is struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. And if you think those judgments aren't intense enough, well, he he then sees and he hears an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So if you think those trumpets are intense, it's about to get worse with these this triple woe that we will see then fulfilled, especially in the next day's reading as we look at the fifth and sixth trumpets. So we see incredible judgment brought upon the earth in utterly cataclysmic fashion. And also, if you're wondering why I take a futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation, one thing I would show you is passages like this, where I don't think we can look back at history and rightly say that there is something that has already fulfilled this. And while there may be symbolic elements in here, it uses some some language that I think should lead us to look for a more literal fulfillment. Uh, but one thing we see about these judgments, if we go back now to the part of the passage that we kind of skipped over, it, it presents us with this scene in heaven. That there's these seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets are given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer. And he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And and that's where we see a connection, I think, with where we started in chapter six and the fifth seal where under the altar, there's the souls of those who have been slain and they're praying to God. And I'm not saying that this in chapter eight is exactly talking about the specific thing there of chapter five, but we see some similar connections. And just with the prayers of the saints being mentioned here, I want us to pause and to think, what will it look like when our prayers are answered? If you pray like Jesus taught us to pray, and so you're praying for things like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you are praying those things, When God says, yes, I'm going to do those things, there are aspects of that, God's will being done, his kingdom coming, that will involve this incredible judgment that we read about here. I I think we need more sobriety. I think we need more seriousness in some of the things that we pray about, that we need to realize that when Jesus answers some of the things we're going to pray for. You know, if we were to really think that through, our knees would knock a little bit. And I'm not saying don't pray these things. I'm just saying pray them with the right sense of seriousness, knowing what we are asking for. And as we think through that, I think that's where we understand, okay, there's other things that I should be asking for. As I ask God for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, even why God isn't sending Jesus back now, if we're crying out Maranatha, 
for the return of Christ. Why isn't that happening? Well, because God's being patient and he's waiting for more people to repent before we come into all of these last days judgments. And so we need to pray with a right sense of, of seriousness. We need to pray like Jesus taught us to pray. And we need to realize where some of these prayers will eventually lead when God answers them. And I think that should also fuel our prayers. God, save people. We don't want to see people experience the wrath of God in any way, shape, or form. We don't want to see people experience the wrath of God if they were to die now and then go be judged for their sins. We don't want to see people experience the wrath of God like we see it here. We want them to find salvation. We want them to find freedom from the wrath of God in Christ. So I think one of the main applications we should make from Revelation 8 is that we should pray. And we should pray with seriousness. We should pray with fervor. We we should pray like Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And that will be multifaceted as we are crying out in that for the return of Christ, realizing the judgment that he will bring with him and the judgment that will surround the return of Christ. But also we will be crying out to God in the meantime, God, save more souls. Use me to save more souls. Turn more people away from your wrath to find mercy and grace in Christ. Remember, if we step back for a moment, this book, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's about pointing to who he is. Pray that God would reveal Jesus to to more people now to see him as savior and to look on him with faith and with love instead of to someday see him as the judge for their sins. So a lot to pray for, I think, in response to Revelation 8. I, I encourage you to spend some time doing so right now. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.